Hey, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. Today, we're talking about the Nativity. Today, we're talking about the birth of Christ. Today, we're talking about Christmas. This is our last episode of the year. We'll get back going in January. But today, we're going to talk about a little bit of prophecy in Isaiah, talking about Messiah, talking about Jesus coming. Then we're going to talk about the birth of Christ. We're going to talk about the wise man. We're going to talk about the shepherds. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about and learn about the story of Jesus being born right here on Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. You don't want to miss this one. Let's go. Morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining me for this Christmas episode, this very special episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Instagram Live, YouTube, podcast, wherever you're following me, wherever you're catching this, wherever you're watching, or listen to this. I'm grateful uh, that we've had another great year. Uh, this is our second year doing these um, these episodes. Started in uh, February of 2022, so we're wrapping up our second year. Uh, I'll be updating the website livingchristian.org to reflect kind of the archive of all of our uh, seasons. So we'll uh, take a break after this and get back going in January with season three. I guess it'll be if we uh, use the seasons by calendars. Uh, so take a look at the website, uh, livingchristian.org, and you can watch or listen to any of the previous episodes. Like I say, this is me my last one of the year, and it's a special one. We're talking about Christmas today. We're talking about the Nativity today. We're talking about the birth of Christ today. So uh, turn to your Bibles. We're going to start in the Old Testament. I know it's always weird to start in the Old Testament when you're talking about Jesus, but that's what we're doing. Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. So if you join me on uh, Monday's episode, uh, what we did was read a lot of the uh, what we call the Advent verses, uh, which is really the verses that are proclaiming the need and the proclamation that Jesus was coming, that the Messiah was coming. So that's what we read. So we're going to revisit 9.6, which was written about 700 years prior to Christ's birth. So let's read what Isaiah said about, uh, about quote-unquote, Christmas or the nativity or the birth of Christ. Uh, verse 6 says, uh, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah, 700 years prior to the birth of Christ, proclaimed that they needed a Messiah, they needed a Savior, and one day a child would be born, a son would be given to us, proclaiming and prophesying of Jesus' arrival. So let's flip to the New Testament. Uh, first uh, book of the New Testament, which is Matthew, for those who are new to the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four books of the Gospels that talk about Jesus and tell about his story here on earth. So we're going to start on Matthew 1, and we're going to skip down to uh, verse 18 and talk about the scene, right, of what it was like at that time when Jesus was born. Okay, so at that time, we're going to get into some of the history a little bit, uh, but at that time, this is the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And that's something that you don't hear people talk about a lot, quite frankly, about the fact that Joseph, being a good man and uh, realizing that his fiancé was pregnant, 
without him understanding how or why, decided to break up with her uh, to not shame her uh, that she somehow got pregnant out of wedlock to Joseph. So let's uh, continue in verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, and she will have a son, and you you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this is also a little new to the Jewish people, uh, especially probably to Joseph, who was under the impression that the eventual Messiah was going to save them uh, from Rome, from persecution, <clears throat> from slavery out of Egypt back in the Abraham days. Um so this is probably new to him that this angel appeared to him and told him that uh, Jesus will that his son the Messiah will come to save us from our sins not just from this world. All right verse 22 all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. A couple of interesting things here. Um, so he immediately went and did what the angel said, married Mary, right? Uh, and they got married so they would have a family unit. But in the end it says, uh, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, which is an interesting way. It didn't say their son was born. It said her son was born, knowing that he technically didn't conceive uh, the the child. So that uh, is certainly come from God and the Holy Spirit. Let's flip over to Luke. So now, um, you know, now he's been married. I'm sorry, they're married now. It talks about the uh, angel talking to Joseph and coming down and how Jesus got named or how he would be named. Okay, now let's flip over to Luke 2. At the time of the Roman Emperor, Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when uh, Quirinius, excuse me, I'll probably butcher that, was governor of Syria. All returned to their home, uh, their own ancestral towns to register with the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, thus fulfilling the prophecy, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there with the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took his wife. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, so this is kind of parallel in the story we just read, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him, in snug, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, cloth <clears throat> and laid him in a manger because there were no lodging available for them. So this is the manger scene of the nativity that we're all very familiar with, right? There was no place for them to stay. There was no lodging. They had just gotten into town. They had to travel to Bethlehem uh, from Nazareth uh, in order to be part of this census that Joseph uh, had to be in his homeland. Now, this fulfills the prophecies as well. In the prophecies, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. It talked about that in the Old Testament. So all the, the things are lining up uh, to uh, prove to the people of the time that Jesus was the Messiah. So he had to be born in Bethlehem. So coincidentally enough, 
not really, this is God moving, um, they had to go to Bethlehem to be part of this census. And there's nowhere for them to stay, and they stayed probably more in a cave. Uh, we're used to it uh, kind of reading that they stayed or looking in the nativity scene being in like some sort of structure with animals. They didn't have a whole lot of those back then. A lot of times they would carve out or have these caves to where the animals would stay. Uh, so more than likely it was kind of looking like that. We don't know what it exactly would look like. But the scene was the fact that they were laid in a manger, which is like a feeding trough for the animals of the time. And that's where we get the animals, okay? That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields near nearby. So this is the night Jesus is born. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the King of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, exactly referencing over here on 2, verse 6, uh, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. So this is literally the same night that Jesus is born, uh, these shepherds were nearby, and they came to witness this birth of their of the Messiah. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Okay, so a couple of perspectives here. So the uh, an angel appeared to both both sets of people, so to speak. Uh, they told the shepherds to go witness and be witnesses to the birth of their Messiah. So they went out and told everybody. But it was interesting how they how Mary talks about in uh, nineteen. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I always uh, was kind of curious about that verse. Uh, so you had the shepherds just, just being excited and telling everybody they knew. Mary didn't want the attention, right? Uh, she knew what was happening, obviously, because she had uh, talked to the uh, angels. Uh, uh, Michael, I believe, uh, came down and talked to her. Um, so she knew who she was pregnant with. She knew he, that Jesus was the Son of God. She knew that he was the Messiah. But she kept it to herself and thought about them often. God chose certainly chose a woman of discernment. Uh, that is for sure, uh, and didn't uh, choose somebody who was going to be out there bragging about they had, you know, that they had birthed the Son of God. He chose somebody uh, that was calm and ready and a good servant to him, which was interesting. So that is the story of the the shepherds showing up that night. Now let's flip back to Matthew. Uh, we're going to go Matthew two, uh, verse one and twelve. So this picks back up where we stopped in Matthew. Uh, and this is going to talk about the wise men. The general consensus is this is a couple of years later, based on some other events in the Bible. This isn't immediate that night. So the 
perception of the nativity scene that we see in stores. I have a couple here uh, in my house is the fact that you have the wise men and uh, the uh, the shepherds all together that night, which is probably not uh, the truth because the wise men had to travel very far to get there. They wouldn't have been able to be there that night. But be that as it may, uh, they showed up and let's read about the wise men coming to uh, to um, to visit Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So this picks up right there during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? So they had heard about the birth of Christ from these eastern lands, as it talks about. So they had traveled all the way from the eastern lands, probably from Asia, to come view um, Christ being born. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King, Her- king Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be? Basically asking, where do you think he's supposed to be according to the Old Testament, according to the prophecies, okay? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, um, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people in Israel." Verse 7, Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the star had appeared, had first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him, him too. This is King Herod is not wanting to worship Jesus, for those who don't know the story uh, in depth. He did not want it. He, did, he felt that Jesus, or the Messiah, was going to be a threat to his rule, and that's why he was kind of, he went back and killed the firstborn uh, of all these families. So he was tricking, or t- attempting to tricking the wise men to tell him where Jesus was. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. This is interesting, because this is the scene that we know, right? We have the, the star that's above the where Jesus is, above the manger, so to speak, and that's the, the scene that we're used to seeing. Uh, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house. They entered the house, which is interesting. Now they're not in... He's not in a manger anymore. He's actually in a house. Uh, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So now he's referenced as a child instead of a baby. That's the time lack that we're talking about. So they made their way to the east, talked to King Herod, uh, and showed up to visit Jesus and to give him these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So God had warned them not to go back and tell Herod uh, where Jesus was, because obviously uh, Herod was tricking them. Okay, so that is the story, uh, the nativity story, kind of encapsulated between Matthew and Luke. So we have the shepherds. We got the wise men, uh, they're witnesses, they're bringing gifts. All in all, they're worshiping the birth of our Savior. They're worshiping the birth of 
Christ, and that is why we worship the birth of Christ. A lot of people love to get on here and uh, other places and uh, not want to celebrate Christmas and the fact that they, that it doesn't say to celebrate the birth of Christ or to worship the birth of Christ inside the Bible. But I would argue that if you're reading what we just read, this is where the tradition started uh, in our modern-day Christmas. The wise men showed up to worship Christ, and they brought him gifts. This is where this is coming from, okay? Uh, this is how we as Christians celebrate Christmas with the nativity, with the fact that we have these scenes in our house and on the yard or wherever you have it of the shepherds visiting, of the wise men visiting, giving gifts to each other, worshiping the birth of Christ on this day. This is our Christmas. You can get wrapped up into Santa Claus and the snowmen and Rudolph and all those other stories, and they're fun, uh, and uh, and they're entertaining, and it's heartwarming season, which I love, don't get me wrong, but fundamentally, it's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus, and, and the more you read about it and the more you understand that, uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, so don't get too sideways uh, about uh, Christmas. Uh, don't get wrapped up in the materialistic side of Christmas, that is for sure. Uh, but realize that things like the Nutcracker, things like the Nativity scene, uh, things like the bells that we hear on Christmas, things like, you know, there's a lot of symbolism that goes on that we do Christmas that is straight from the Bible. Think about uh, King Herod sent his troops to go kill the firstborn of every family. Those troops were military people, thus those are the nutcrackers. Uh, that's where that came from. There's a lot, if you study it and dig into it, uh, there's a lot of, uh, when you look around your house at the decorations, assuming that you do, a lot of biblical references to the birth of Christ. In, even in these kind of quote-unquote paganist kind of non religious uh, uh, type of Christian symbols. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. Um, if you if you if you look at it through those eyes and if you look at it through biblical eyes, uh, that is for sure. So I encourage you to read this a few times. Uh, what we're doing on our Instagram story is reading the whole book of Luke. If you haven't joined in, you can catch up on my Instagram and my Facebook page about reading Luke 1 through 24. We started on the 1st. We'll finish up on Christmas Eve, and that's kind of giving you an entire picture of Jesus and his life, which is awesome. But I love to kind of bounce around a little bit to get some different perspectives between the physician, the doctor uh, of the group, Luke, and Matthew, who was the tax collector of the group, uh, of, the, of the disciples. So it's interesting how they write the same story in different ways uh, and different times, quite frankly. Uh, but those are two people that um, experienced Christ on earth. Those are the people that um, lived with him and talked with him and learned from him. Uh, so the so us learning from their writings from 2,000 years ago almost uh, is pretty powerful uh, for sure. So uh, read it. Uh, read it again, but that's uh, that's the Christmas word. Uh, that is for sure, and I love this season. Uh, try not to get too wrapped up in the commercialism of it all, uh, but realize it's all about Jesus. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's have a couple of questions here. Uh, whether it's about today's reading or anything else, uh, this is going to be our last episode, as I mentioned, uh, for the year. I'll get back started with uh, the next season 
in January. But until then, uh, we'll uh, take a little bit of time off and enjoy this Christmas season with uh, my family. All right. What is your opinion? I'll answer this one from Kiki because she is uh, uh, a longtime follower on here. Uh, so I'm gonna, and hers is on top. What is your opinion of the meaning of the Christmas tree? Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Kiki, I look at the Christmas tree and this may be a, a weird way to look at it. Uh, and you can go back to uh, some other traditions uh, that were uh, happening at the time, uh, bringing the tree in or decorating a tree. But I look at the tree this way and this you can look at it the way you want to. But um, Jesus was crucified on a cross uh, made out of a tree. Uh, so when I bring the tree in, uh, all I see is Jesus, quite frankly. I see uh, 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 a, a, an upside kind of new version of the wood that Jesus was crucified on before. Uh, so I look at it that way. It's got decorations on it uh, that, in my mind, are, are fruits of the tree. A lot, if you go back in some of the history, uh, people would decorate their trees with fruit and with other things they have around the house. Uh, and then when I read about fruit in the Bible, it talks about the fruits of the spirits and bearing fruit. So I see Jesus in my Christmas tree, if that makes sense. I see a symbol of uh, everlasting life in the evergreen tree that people choose. There's a reason why they choose. We choose evergreen trees to represent Christmas because it's everlasting life. Uh, so I look at it as an everlasting, uh, you know, a tree that is uh, what they call a uh, evergreen tree that is always green, that never loses its leaves, that uh, never dies in the winter. Um, so I look at that as, uh, as, as Christ. Uh, and so that's what I look at Kiki. That's how I view the Christmas tree. Uh, anyways, all right, let's see what else we got going on here. Uh, what are your thoughts? I'll answer this one. Cause this is uh this is a tough one and nobody wants to talk about it. What are your thoughts on a lot of Christians condemning everything? Condemning everything is, is, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. I'll say this in two ways. One is Christians. We are, we should hold ourselves at a higher standard uh, because we are children of God and followers of Christ. Uh, there are a lot of rules in here and a lot of things and guidelines that God wants us to follow. That is for sure. And we should do that. Um, now, saying that... Uh, uh, there are things in this world that are not God-sanctioned that we should not be partaking in. There's things in, this, in, in the Bible that talks about not being a drunkard, not lying, not you know stealing. A lot of rules, a lot of Ten Commandments stuff, a lot of other you know Old Testament rules. A lot of it does still apply to us. Okay. Um, now saying that, I think we have to be careful uh, as Christians not to judge everybody or come across as judgy. Okay. We don't want non believers to view us as a people as just judgy people who think we're better than everybody else who abide by rules that you should abide by this and you need to we condemn you and we do this we need to be careful on that what we need to do is be open and show people the love of Christ. What happens is we follow rules, so to speak, and we come from Christ morality, and we don't do certain things in this world because we're Christians, not because it, it earns us favor or that earns our way to God, okay? That's not the case. Once you accept Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you're not going to want to get 
you know, overly drunk and smoke weed every day. You're not going to want, hopefully, you're not going to want to lie and cheat and steal and some of those things and, and kind of be part of this world uh, as uh, everybody else is. But that's for us. Uh, we can't get people out of the world if all we're doing is condemning them and judging them. So what we need to do is show them that this is a, there's a better way to life. There is a way to heaven. There's a way to have a personal, close relationship with Christ and God. And, and once they become part of the family of God, uh, we're, you know, we're hoping that they will read the Bible and, and, and take it for what it says. So be careful not to be judgy or condemn people. You want to make sure that everybody knows what right and wrong is. And we're certainly, there is, it is very, you know, right and wrong are things in this world. I know our world doesn't like to talk about that, but that's the truth. But make sure that you're not just a condemning, judgy Christian. Make sure you're a loving Christian and they need to see Christ through you. And when the Holy Spirit enters those people, they will change. That makes sense. You can't convince. I guess there's two types of people in the Bible at the very end. Okay, there are sheep and there are goats. Uh, at the end of the on the judgment day, God will Jesus will sit on His throne and separate the sheep and the goats. If that makes sense. I know it's in Revelation. I know it's hard, but go read it. <clears throat> the sheep follow the shepherd, and we will be with Christ forever. The goats get condemned. You can't. We can't convince goats that they're sheep. What we can do is show them that being a sheep is a better way and come over here and the Holy Spirit will change them. If that makes sense, let the Holy Spirit change them. That's what that's God's job. Our job is to lead them and help them understand and lead them to Christ. Have patience with people, okay? Uh, everybody's path is a little bit different. Uh, everybody's walk uh, in this world is a little bit different. So uh, be careful with that. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, that's it. Uh, that's what I was going to, that's, that's the good word there. So thank you for joining me. Um, it's uh, let's say a quick prayer. We'll wrap up this episode and we'll get about our week weekend, I guess. And I hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Let's have a sip of coffee and we'll say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you very much for this this word today. Thank you for showing us the story of you coming down here on earth, your son, Jesus Christ, being born on this earth, and we worship him, and we thank him, and we praise him, and we praise you for being with us. I know there's a lot of confusion out there, Lord. I know the world wants to take this holiday and twist it around and make it all about things that are not about Jesus. Uh, Lord, thank you for showing us the real story, the truth of why we should honor this day, not in the way the world has twisted it, but the way it was meant to be with the birth of Christ, the coming of our Messiah, saving us from sin, saving us from ourselves, saving us from this world. We glorify you and we praise you and we worship you on this day. Lord, please be with everybody watching or listening to this today as they kind of go through the Christmas season. It can be tough. We've lost family members. That almost everybody here probably watching has lost family or friends, the people that were missing this time of year. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking for protection of our heart. I'm also asking for the strength to get through this. But most importantly, I'm asking for the clarity and the wisdom and the knowledge that we understand what the true meaning of this season is, the reason of this season, which is, Jesus, we love you 
so much, and we trust you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great rest of December, great weekend, have a great Christmas season. I hope you're able to spend some time with family and friends. Uh, Keep Jesus first and foremost uh, in your thoughts uh, this season. Don't let the world distract you uh, from the true reason for the season, which is Jesus. I promise you that's what we just read, and that's the truth. So until next time, come January, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to you all soon. Mm